The podcast this week is brought to you by the Door County Beer Festival. The peninsula's largest celebration of craft beer returns to Bailey's Harbor on June 16th, 2018, with more than 150 different beers from 53 different breweries from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and Illinois. Festival gourds get unlimited tastings in the Peninsula Pulse tasting tent from 12 to 4 p.m., while VIP attendees will get early entry and exclusive access to specialty beers from five Wisconsin breweries. Tickets are $40 and are available at DoorCountyTickets.com. For more information, visit DoorCountyBeerFestival.com. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we'll talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you'll find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and this week is the launch of the Pulse Summer Music Preview, which is available now. We're going to sit down and talk with a few of the team members who made this issue possible later on in the episode. But first, I'm joined today by Jackson Parr, assistant news editor for the Peninsula Pulse. Hey, Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, of course. You were in Ephraim Tuesday night, right? I was with, were... uh, with about, I would say, upwards of 50 to 60 other Ephraim residents. Great. And you were at the Ephraim Town Board meeting. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? So it was really an informational meeting. There was no decisions made, no votes taken, but uh, it was a way for the village board to kind of inform the residents of uh, the history of the streetscape project, which is kind of Ephraim's half of the Highway 42 resurfacing that's that's expected uh, to come from the DOT in the next uh, two years. And uh, one big part of that is going to be uh, a petition that was filed by uh, local residents seeking a new ordinance in the village that would require voter approval for any public works project that exceeded a million dollars. It might sound kind of familiar with what uh, is down in Egg Harbor. Egg Harbor has the same kind of ordinance, and I know it came into play with the construction of the, the Crest Pavilion Egg Harbor Library building. So at the meeting, Village Board President kind of went over the the history of the streetscape project, which kind of comically actually just started with a few shrubs at the beach they wanted to move and all of a sudden we're talking about upwards of a 4.85 million dollar project that includes reconstruction of the stormwater system uh, addition of sidewalks uh, kind of a, a wide scope that goes far beyond shrubs at the beach out of all of these new road projects Ephraim's kind of the toughest piece of the puzzle right in that the there's a lot of concerns about pedestrian safety and um, intersections and that kind of stuff. Plus, there's not a lot of room for expansion in Ephraim. Is that kind of what they touched on about this? Yeah, so so the DOT is, is, is viewing this as kind of just a segment of a reconstruction of the Highway 42 between Egg Harbor and Sister Bay. So Sister Bay, as we know, uh, happened a few years ago. Gibraltar, Fish Creek, has theirs coming up. Egg Harbor has theirs coming up. This is Ephraim's portion of it. And they're they're basically allowing each municipality to have a say in what they do. So in in parking, in addition to sidewalks, what kind of street lighting do you guys want? And uh, this whole streetscape project is is really Ephraim's say in how they want their village to look. Some people have differing opinions, as I'm sure would be true of anywhere. Uh, the sidewalk between the village beach and the old firehouse museum really seems to be the sticking point. That was the most controversial of uh, the measures to come through. Other ones are uh, reconstruction of the Moravia Point intersection, replacement of the streetlights, a stormwater abatement system. So one of the tricky parts with this petition uh, is is really the timing of it all. So filed on May 31st, 
The village has 15 days to respond to the petitioner, either saying, hey, this looks good, we will act on it, um, or saying, hey, this isn't in the, ro- in the proper form according to state law, can you go back, modify it, return it to us. Once that petition is deemed correct in proper form according to state statute, the village board can either voluntarily act on it, it adopt an ordinance that aligns with the petition, If the village board doesn't do that voluntarily, it will go to voters in the November general election. But what's tricky about that timing is is the village is slated for all these approvals on these projects that they're planning over the next month, two months. So if the village approves these projects in the next two months and this petition for an ordinance that restricts the ability for the village board to make decisions on these public works projects... If that happens in November, can it retroactively apply because the village hasn't cut the check for the sidewalk yet? It's kind of a, a bit of a gray area moving forward. Right. And now the the petition is kind of a means to an end in a way, right? Is that kind of how, how we're viewing it as um, a, a limiter on on spending, which in turn is going to kind of shape how the highway reconstruction moves forward, correct? So the petitioners uh, have frequently been opposed to certain parts of the streetscape project. As I said, the sidewalk being kind of the the, the primary sticking point with a lot of people uh, in the village, even though it was approved unanimously by the village board in October. And I think you could argue that this ordinance restricting the authority for the village board to spend public funds is a way to prevent projects exceeding a million dollars from happening, of which the sidewalk is one, burial of the utility lines is another one. So the ordinance itself will not restrict anything. It will just go to voters. So I think there's yeah. there's a an assumption by the petitioners that voters would reject the same measures that the petitioners are opposed to. Sure. So on one hand, it, it kind of puts the decision firmly in the in the community's uh, corner. But doesn't that kind of underhand the the elected officials and the, the reason that they were elected in some ways? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the referendum process is interesting, really, in anything. I mean, if you think of like school districts or uh, I know the big one is calling a referendum on campaign finance reform or gerrymandering and all that. And the, the, the tough part there is that we, this, the people, have elected these officials to make decisions for us in our representative small-D democracy. So a referendum process that goes back to the voters, it is a, the, the direct view of the voters, keeping in mind the voters who actually show up to the polls. But the idea of a representative democracy is you, you voted for these officials. You gave them authority to make these decisions, and they are making the decisions. So, I mean, since the project started in 2014, every one of those board members has been up for re-election. So... Since the Streetscapes project started, all of those officials have could have been knocked off. They weren't. So does this referendum kind of usurp that concept of representative democracy? Ah, differing opinions on that as well. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out in the coming months. Next up, we're going to sit down with Grace, Aaliyah, and Celeste to talk about the summer music preview. Jackson, thank you so much for talking with me today. Appreciate it. Today for our feature, I am joined by three members of the Pulse team to talk about the summer music preview. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Grace Johnson. I've been working at the Pulse since 2014. Uh, this summer, I am the events calendar manager and taskmaster. 
I'm Aaliyah Kidd. I am the multimedia editor at The Pulse. I'm Celeste Benchwell, and I'm an arts and entertainment intern at The Pulse, and it is my first summer here and in Door County. Great. Well, thank you all for joining me to talk about the summer music preview. Uh, who wants to take it away and tell us what to expect this year? So the summer music preview is basically your go-to guide for all things live music in the county. We have a big pull-out calendar that works really well as a poster to stick on your fridge or in your room, and it just lists all the names of the artists, where they're playing. We have uh, weekly music schedules in the back, so you can find kind of your favorites and go to their shows every week, as well as where you can find open mics and karaoke's. And then we also highlight a couple of artists every year, just some standout people that we think you should really check out. Great. And what did each of you do for the issue this year? Um, I did a lot of the research and writing, so I combed through pretty much every gig that's booked throughout the summer that Grace compiled in a list. Um, So I kind of just looked up each band, looked at their Facebook, YouTube videos, um, read their bios, and we kind of just picked ones that we thought stood out, like Grace said, and we aim to have a variety of genre, gender, and uh, different venues throughout the summer. So. And I helped out with writing some of that content with Lust and just doing some of the research on those feature artists. And then this year, as the events calendar manager, I was in charge of organizing the whole thing. Typically, we have two people, but alas, I was by myself this year. Um, So I'm in charge of getting all of the live music schedules from venues that they have so far, um, putting them into our system, making sure that everything's there, compiling the weekly music lists, and kind of going through the calendar to look at potential featured artists and things like that. Well, it sounds like we have a bunch of really interesting acts up here this summer. Uh, Do you want to give us a sneak preview of some of the acts that we might hear? One of them's called Scaravore. They're a Scottish-inspired rock band. Um, They're award-winning and have traveled all over the world. Um, They have a lot of cool instruments like the Scottish flute and bagpipes, stuff like that. So that's really interesting. Another one is called The Go Rounds. They're from Michigan, um, and they're like an eclectic rock band that does other indie-inspired and pop-inspired music. Um, They'll be at the music hall at the Brewing Company. They sound really cool. I wrote about a couple bands. Uh, One of them is called Come Sunday, and they are a jazz and gospel-inspired septet, which sounds really interesting. And it sounds like it really gets people dancing. So that's one that I have on my calendar, and that is in July at the Woodwalk Gallery. And another one is Phil Lee, who sounds like a really interesting character. He is inspired by blues, folk, folk rock, and he'll be playing at the Tambourine Lounge in July. And Grace, you've had your head around the calendar for a while now. Are there any acts that you're particularly excited about checking out? Um, well, actually, a couple of the ones that were already mentioned, like Celeste, I really like Scottish traditional kind of sounding music, so I definitely want to check that out. But actually, one of an artist that I want to get to that we're actually featuring this, this year, he's a local. His name is Seth Raditz. I went to school with him, and I always remember in high school, he was pretty talented. He plays a lot with his dad during the summer, but I've never seen him after he finished high school doing his thing as an actual artist, and I kind of listened to clips of his stuff, and I was just kind of wowed at how much he had grown since high school, and I really like to check out his shows this year. 
It's really great that uh, we have so many talented musicians and artists coming up here into the county every year. Um, what has it been like seeing all of these different acts throughout the years? It's pretty insane, actually, if you think about it. I've grown up and have been in Door County all of my life. And even as a kid, I remember seeing shows at the auditorium. I remember my sister got to go see Loretta Lynn at the auditorium, and I was super jealous. But ever, even since I was a kid, Door County has somehow managed to bring in all these big name acts into the county and people from all over the world. And you don't really think that being such a small community, we'd be able to pull in those kind of people, you know, just local bands maybe. But because we are a community that really celebrates the arts and likes to put focus on music and art and all that kind of stuff, it draws people in because we have all these great venues that people play at and it's enticing when you know that the crowds will come, people will be there and they'll have a good time. Um, I've been coming up here all my life um, just during the summers, but one thing that I'm excited about and that I've really taken advantage of in the last couple of years has been going to the free concert series all summer, uh, which is, you know, takes place across the entire peninsula. So every day of the week, there's some place in Door County where you can find and attend free music, which is really incredible. Well, thank you all so much for the work that you've put into the Summer Music Preview this year. It's going to be available as this podcast is available. So check it out in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.